0: The Lord tells me He can get me out of this mess, but He's pretty sure you're fucked.
1: La la! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Rebels of Attico.
0: Ernest Hemingway once wrote, Never think that war, no matter how necessary, nor how justified, is not a crime. It's words like these that kind of make you really think, what is war? Why
1: is there war? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sing it again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you turn. You're an absolute I had turn. to. Come on.
0: So, do you want to get through the formalities first and we'll get them out of the way? Oh,
1: well, look, before we even get to that... Well, welcome to this week's episode. Correct, I'm Brad. The, I'm Tony. Um, if you haven't already ta- like been able to gather as to what we're talking about this week. Clearly it's um, about war. Yeah, we've thought like over the past couple of weeks we've been sort of watching schooling a couple of... Schooling ourselves up. Um, schooling ourselves up and watching watching slash revisiting a few war epics. Yep. Um, so we thought let's we might as well have a chat about just war epics in general. War
0: epics, uh, the psychology behind war... Um, and I suppose the interesting aspect of it is basically what happens to people in the midst of going to war, how it's not just affecting the parties involved who actually go, but families and society in general. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it as we go along. <laughs>
1: If you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe us on Anchor, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever other podcast platform you use. You can also follow us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a One, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast.
0: Bang. There you go. There
1: we go. There we go. Out of the way. Done.
0: Please, please subscribe. Please listen. We're really asking for some activity with you guys, we're trying to interact, so it'll be nice. There has
1: been a lot of interaction in the past week. 100%, the
0: Facebook page has been popping. Yeah, uh, you got any shout-outs for this uh, week? This week, Chris yep. has done a real great job at contributing. Yeah. There's also, obviously, the usual people. The,
1: yeah. Uh, Sean. Sean O. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. and Grant's been pretty active Grant as well. Grant as
0: well, and there was one more. I can't think... Sammy, is it? Possibly. Is that
1: her name? Sammy? Let me double check I don't know. She
0: posted a really, really great piece uh, in regards to one of the posts that I put up recently. Which one? Which one? Was it the one
1: between... The the... dual picture one. That was Sophie. 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 Great contribution. I loved it. Yeah, that was Sophie. Yep. Uh, The other person I'm thinking of who's been pretty active with us on the page has been... Who have we got here? Uh, do you want to fill in the gap while I...
0: Yeah, so obviously, you know, having watched quite a few war flicks, we found it kind of really important to delve into it a little bit because, you know, war is such a significant part of cinema. Like, you think about it, as weird as it may sound, like, obviously, all the best epics have tended to come out of American cinema. I haven't personally gotten around to watching too much in terms of a... International space, but we can only basically go off what we've watched and understood. So, yeah, like I said, me and Tony have kind of been canvassing a whole bunch of different war epics and different war movies that kind of really resonated with us. Um, we recently watched Saving Private Ryan.
1: Revisited. Revisited. Yeah. Because like I said to you... Um a couple of days before we decided to watch it, but I hadn't seen it since it kind of got first released on DVD. Yeah. So it had been ages since I'd watched Saving Private Ryan and I've forgotten majority of that movie, honestly. Saving I,
0: Private Ryan? Saving
1: Pri- Ryan's Privates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd forgotten majority of it. So it was good to revisit it and see it from a whole new perspective now that I'm a little bit more aware as far as um, not only just appreciating the movie for how well it was shot and um, and how well the themes were presented in the movie, and obviously the actors' performances, but actually coming into terms and sort of realizing how fucked up World War II was. The, I, like, I, I don't I think th- you get that much of an appreciation when you watch it as a younger. No, you don't. As a younger person, but definitely growing growing up and sort of experiencing life, and then revisiting something like this shows you how traumatic. What did it you was. notice mostly about? Having
0: watched it previously to how it is now, like what were the common themes that you picked up now more than you did back then?
1: Well, I guess the most predominant one would be how fucked up war is in general. Yeah, clearly. Um, but I think the, the thing that stood out for me the most was just how young these guys were that went to war. Mm. Like they were basically barely in their twenties, majority of them, and it's just that definitely hit home like holy shit, that's fucked.
0: And I suppose when, like, Tom Hanks is talking and they're trying to... They did that pool on him to decide on what he actually did before he came to war. And then when he basically said that he was a teacher beforehand, it kind of just shows that through conscription, it doesn't matter what avenue or aspect of life that you come from, you, you got thrown into this hellhole that no person mentally, psychologically, physically can prepare for. There is no level of being prepared that's going to set you up to go into war and think, I, I'll come out of this okay.
1: But it's not so much like how it is nowadays, if you think about it. Like nowadays, most wars, there's no such thing as conscription and no. and being like basically everyone doing their part to join the army and fight the good fight. And they're right? not specifically now, trained like, for it Exactly, either. exactly. All wars now are fought by... Actual trained soldiers who what they want to do is become a soldier. You know, it's not fought by just every common day man. Yeah, and and I suppose as well looking at it, they sometimes
0: call today's wars smart wars because technology has such a significant part in war today. Like obviously, it's long range weaponry. It's a lot of drone activity. It's a lot of you know coming from the sky. When you think about it, like. There was a movie called Eye in the Sky, which is kind of the perfect portrayal of what war is now. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch because it's basically all the political kind of, you know, red tape that goes along with trying to decide on whether a drone attack should happen. Right. And it's monitoring this base of where they obviously consider there's terrorists involved, but... In the meantime, there's so much human collateral surrounding the idea of actually sending the bomb. So making that kind of executive decision from the higher-ups to send that message to go, all right, well, you're at the hands of the control of the drone, bomb it. Yeah. But then morals and values come into play like, if I do this, I'm going to kill a significant amount of people that are surrounding the area. Yeah. So it's like, how do you make that conscious decision to go,
1: is this the right thing to do? I know this is orders, but should I do it? Yeah. And I mean, you, you kind of see that in a little bit of a way, but in a different perspective, let's say when we watched Outpost.
0: Oh, correct. Right? Yeah. Especially
1: when they're going in to the cities to, well, they're trying to make peace with the people around them to sort of say, hey, we're not here against you. We're trying to help you. Mm. And then basically, well, it's like guess the whole cat and mouse game. It's like, are they with us? Are they not? It's just a whole lot of backstabbing, really. It really is. And, you know, being put in a position where you, like in Outpost, I don't
0: know if anyone has seen it or not, but it's they're stationed in a small, I don't know, like Outpost, obviously, but it's built literally mm-hmm. into the hills. So they're not exactly at a point where they can protect themselves in a, you know, secure way. So having that decision made to build an outpost in a position that's completely compromised, the loss of life was always going to be there. Yeah. So ultimately, like, as much as you can potentially build a relationship with the locals and kind of have yourself in a position where you've got enough of a rapport with them to protect yourselves, but at the end of the day, the Taliban don't give a fuck about
1: relationships. No. They are not there to discuss pleasantries, mm. they are there to kill you. Yeah, pretty much, uh, which is relevant. And it's basically thrown in your face in that movie. It is. And like, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm not going against the whole
0: American ideal of kind of bringing peace to the country, but I do have a problem with the way outpost potentially glorifies the idea of not war, but the idea that the Americans will always come out on top mm. because you look at, like, for example, World War II. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm going to take it back. Vietnam War. That's going ahead. Yeah, no, no. no. All I'm saying is like, I want to go to another right. path of thinking. Yeah. Vietnam War. They did not win that.
1: No. I don't give
0: a fuck what anyone says. I don't care if you dropped two bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. That was a reactive response to you losing the war. Yeah. You knew you'd lost it. And that was essentially the path that led down to the point where you realized you needed to do something drastic in order to kind of get the upper hand. As to whether you did, well, I'm sorry, but you lost enough life in that process. That did not go down well at home. I think all parties lost enough life in that war. There's there's no words for what that war did to people. No. And such movies, like, you look at Pearl Harbor as well. Mm. Like, it's another one of those films where the way the movie's done, it's the portrayal of the Americans, you know, fighting back again. Like, obviously, you feel really sorry for the people Caught in the Pearl Harbor attack, which obviously you should because it's a massive loss of life. Yeah. And they were so unprepared for what happened. But then it's that kind of post scene of, you know, them fighting back, getting in the jets and going up against the Japanese fighters. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're rooting for them. But they set that up so well to make you feel as though what they did was right.
1: Yeah. And it's I don't cla- know how I feel about it's that. It's the classic example of the of history being written by the winners. It really is. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, it's a very white, predominant male,
0: upper class kind of understanding of what that history looks like.
1: Mm. And it's, it's disturbing. It's really disturbing. Yeah. And you can see the difference between, let's say, your movies from World War II and movies based on Vietnam, how different the tones of the movies are. Hugely. Like, the World War II stories are mainly basically, like, I guess, the Allies' lands, they have their kind of their troubles at the start, but then they come out on top at the end. Hmm. Right? Whereas in Vietnam, they get there, they're fucked from the start, and at the end of it, they're still fucked. There's no recovery. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's that somber tone throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of really
0: well demonstrated in the movie We Were Soldiers. Right. So that one's with Mel Gibson, and. What I found with that is they kind of confront the idea of war on multiple angles. So it's obviously not just what's going on on the battlefield, where it's it's a brutal, brutal portrayal of war. But then it's the whole thing at home of the wives dealing with this kind of mess. And the situation is where these wives build this little community where two of them, uh, who are the like kind of uh, generals and captains' wives, they ask the people from the army to give them the letters to pass on to the wives of who have died. So they are designated the task themselves to go and hand these letters to the wives. And it's just a really, really kind of poetic scene in terms of the way it's portrayed. And it's very uncomfortable to watch because, you know, imagine as a partner of someone gone to war, seeing the military, you know, truck or whatever pulling up at the front of your house Okay. You already
1: know it's bad news. Yeah,
0: someone's died. Yeah. So it's like, how do you deal with that mentally? I I don't think you can potentially prepare for that. Yeah. It's fucked.
1: Yes. Like, and even like going back to Saving Private Ryan, like at the start when the military truck pops up at the front of um, Mrs. Ryan's house, and they have, and she has to be told that was it three or four? Four. That four of her sons had died. Yeah. That's. Pretty powerful. Like, yeah, and that, how do you, as a and mother, And you can just tell straight that. away, as soon as she gets to the front door and sees him get out of the car, she just drops to her knees straight away. Yeah. They're, 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 like, you don't even see her face. You don't hear anything from her. You just see her collapse. Like, okay, that's fucked.
0: As a mother, you can't prepare for news like that. No. Nah. And as much as people can try and, and attempt to justify the means for war, I still fall on the side of, that there are other ways to resolve a conflict. Like, whether it be through, you know, diplomacy, if that doesn't work, find another way. War is never the way. And that that that's just my take on it because at the end of the day, all you're achieving is there's a loss of life, mm-hmm. big business makes a lot of fucking money from war. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately... It's just creating or enhancing that divide between those fucking poor souls who are, yes, they're marines. Yes, they have made the choice to go to be part of war. But these are the poor souls that are dying. They're not the big business people who are making billions and billions of dollars off this. Are nowhere near the front lines. Mm. But again, that's just me. Like you look at look at Gladiator, Braveheart, these sorts of movies. Yeah, that was. Even their kind of generals, I suppose, were on the front lines. Yeah. It was just a different war. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, I get you. And then you look at movies like U571, you, uh, you Greyhound. Yeah. How did you find
1: Greyhound? What did you like about it? Uh, it was tense. Mm-hmm. It was very tense, pretty much from the get-go. Like you had that maybe 10 to 15 minutes of build-up at the start just to sort of explain what's going on, mm. and then bang, you're in it. Straight away, like, and then it just it didn't stop until the end of the movie. Like, whoa, okay, fuck. And it's heavy stuff. Mm.
0: Like, you think about how most war movies they kind of build into like the big battle. This was just okay. We're at sea now. This is all happening. Yeah, it's fucking intense. It is. It is. And like, I suppose, how did you think Tom
1: Hanks did in terms of his portrayal? Oh, he was brilliant. Tom Hanks was brilliant. Like, uh, you pretty much look at any war movie that he's in, he's brilliant in every role he plays. Mm. Like, he just he nails the character down so well. Especially just seeing his just, I guess, just limitless duty, like call of duty mm. that he has. And pretty much do- barely eats, doesn't sleep and the because whole he's thing on duty. Yeah, yeah. even like showing the part of like how he'd been standing so long that basically... He had developed blisters on his feet that have burst and just blood pouring from his feet. I'm like, and it was interesting because
0: I didn't understand the significance at the start when his or the girl that he's seeing or whatever had given him like the slip on shoes, and I was yeah. like, "What the fuck's that for?" Yeah, so I'm like, he's giving him Indian kicker shoes. Yeah, Oh, but did you see what he gave her though?
1: Yeah, I know. And, and That I, was so shit. And I thought, okay, I well, saw that present. Like, oh. My- Gone. Is he getting
0: involved in a Bollywood dance? Are they <laughs> going to do make this a musical on the ship? Yeah, he had, he's had chapos. Yeah, <laughs> these chapos. But only when I realized that he started cringing in his face about his feet that I, I was like, oh, significance of the shoes, that just clicked. Yeah. And being in a position like that, like imagine being a captain and commanding, let, let's say, what, 150 men. Roughly that. You could be potentially making a decision... For these young men to basically be killed on what you say to them.
1: And you literally see it throughout the whole movie. They they look to him for every single decision. Yeah. Like they wait for his answer before they even make a single step. How do you think you would handle that kind of responsibility? What, being, like being in charge?
0: Being in charge of 150 men where it's life or death decisions.
1: Uh, honestly, I'm... I don't know how I would react to that. I would like to think the way I would handle it would be pretty much in a way suck it up and you're doing it to basically keep these boys safe. Do you think though, at the end of it, that you would be
0: able to move on from being in a position where you've made decisions like that and you've sent people to their deaths? How do you move on with that? Like, how do you live with that? I have no idea. It's a fuck situation.
1: Yeah. Well, how would you deal with it? Well, I suppose,
0: like, thinking about it, there's no way to rationalize the actions that you take being in a position where you've got the authority and you've got the power to make a decision like that and then for these boys to basically potentially die under your watch. So knowing that that's already kind of a precursor to the decisions I make, that's terrifying in itself. Mm. So I don't think I could be in a position that high up I'd want to be in the military for a good 10, 15 years before I started making kind of calls like that. Well,
1: let's say if we go to, let's say U571, yeah, yeah. right? In the position that Matthew McConaughey was put in, like basically halfway through the movie where he's basically forced into that leadership position. yeah, And it's literally a do or die scenario. It's like you're either going to make it out of here alive or most likely you guys are going to die. And every single move or decision you make gets you closer to that door.
0: That's true. That's true. And I I suppose dealing with a smaller party, I feel like I could manage that situation a bit better. Having kind of direct order over, uh, let's say, 150 people, that's, that's heavy shit. And whereas like working on a sub that you've got 12 or 13 men and you're trying to manage that kind of situation, you are kind of left in a position where you have no fucking choice. There is no possibility
1: that you cannot make a decision because you don't make a decision, you're dead. Which they show many times, of course, like when they get stumped, like they're just sitting there waiting and going, "Captain, what do we do?" Yeah, Captain. And like the what, what Harvey Keitel says in like to Matthew
0: McConaughey when he's like, "You cannot show your crew that you don't know. Even yep. if you don't know, you have to make that decision." And yep. I think that's kind of a real telling point of. Being in a position like that where you've got to make calls like that, regardless if they're right or wrong, you don't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, that's right. And and, and it's just scary. And like, even thinking back to the times of, you know, the the way Gladiator was filmed, Braveheart, all these kinds of movies, especially like that Viking era, era, fuck me, the Viking era around as well, Mm. even the series Vikings, like I look at that and- making those conscious decisions to go, all right, well, we're going to go raid this town. You don't know what you're going into. No. You can't
1: prepare for that. It's basically just a simple, I guess, the role of a soldier. Do what you're told. Okay, interesting idea.
0: Do you think the idea of men in general has changed in terms of what they were like back then to how they are now? Well, what do you mean? Like what type of man would go to war and like, like you look at it, Viking times, gladiator times, all that. It was a different type of man. Right. You don't get where I'm going with this. No, I have
1: you? no idea where you're going with this.
0: So in essence, I feel like it was just kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a man's man. Like there, there was no, they were tough as fucking nails back then. You think so? hundred percent, man. It, looking at it now, like, as I said, you've got a gun between you and your enemy. Back then, You had potentially a sword, a bow and arrow, or or whatever. But it was close combat. Yeah. And thinking about it now, I'm like, Jesus Christ, imagine being in a position where you would literally stand face-to-face with your enemy. Yeah. Like, I'd love to know what would go through back then the people's heads. Like, how do you deal with that shit? I have no idea. It's just fuck. Like, the psychology behind it blows my mind. Um. Even movies like... Have you seen Boy in the Striped Pajamas? No. Uh, Have you watched Schindler's List? Never got a chance to see it. Okay. Well, I suppose there's those two. Then there's another movie called Defiance with Daniel Craig and Escape from Sabibor, which were all kind of the German Jew kind of situation like that. Right. And watching those as a prisoner of war, that's where I can't fathom how people survive that shit especially the Jewish people. Right. Looking back and like when I did um, the Holocaust as a subject at uni and we got shown videos of basically a kind of dugout where they were throwing people like babies into the air and shooting them. Yeah. And just filling up these holes with bodies. Mm. And people had to leave. Like it's such a scarring experience because like we talk about war now. And we're very desensitized to it. Yeah. Seeing killing, seeing violence on the TV, whatever, movies. It's an uncomfortable watch. Back then,
1: it was brutal times. Because you weren't ex- like, we weren't exposed to that sort of stuff back then. Mm. Like, you only saw that on the battlefield. You didn't see that at home. No. Right? Now, you see it at home. Whether it be on the news or in movies or TV shows or even games. Like, you see it a lot more than any sort of exposure that would have been back then.
0: Yeah. And I suppose, like, even just the ideas of, like, Call of Duty, Fortnite, um, shoot another person game, like, kind of survival games. Yeah. You're desensitized to it because your objective is to literally kill the other people that are playing the game. Yeah, just to kill them and survive. Correct. And do you think that kind of feeds into the idea of the primal instinct to survive? Like, what is kind of when you play those games what are, what are the feelings that it brings up for you do you even think about it no yeah See that, that that's kind of a telling point
1: i don't really think about that to I mean to me a game's a game like i don't read into it more than just i'm there to play a game what about with movies movies different story because i think because i feel like the storytelling in a movie is different to what you get in a game like in a, in a like let's say in a call of duty game when you're playing the campaign yeah right you get that story but it feels... I don't know. In a way, it feels like the story is just basically like the filler before you get to start shooting some more shit.
0: You and I mean, that's kind of the ultimate goal in it. Because yeah. Because you just want to shoot shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like Unless the story is like significantly powerful, where it does make you feel, then like it's a, it, it gives you a different perspective. But in a movie, there's no waiting to like have your participation at, at the next, I guess, sort of stage. You know, it's just... You've kind of got like the
0: outsider's like observing their personal experience of what's going on with these people and it, i suppose like looking at a movie space what war movies have impacted you the most or what do you find that you really resonate with
1: I, I, it's hard to say i mean i guess the one that does the most would be because i just watched it recently would yeah be saving private right and in what ways did that hit you like i was saying at the start Mostly just because, well, A, how fucked up war is, and B, just how young these kids were yeah. going into war. It can literally break someone. It does. Because, like, thinking about it, and
0: especially in Saving Private Ryan, that scene at the bridge, that would fuck people up. And yeah. we kind of get an indication of that when the kid's sitting on the stairs and not being able to get the ammo up the stairs.
1: That just the- frustrated me. Oh, 100% it's frustrating. Like, like you piece of shit. Like, your friends are up there dying, and you can only just break down. But it's like, that whole situation yeah. of,
0: like, how does someone conquer what's going on in their head to do that? Like, not knowing what's upstairs. Like, it's just a freakish idea. Like, are you walking up to someone that's going to shoot you because your friend's
1: already dead? Or, like, you don't know. You can't prepare for Well, let's it. say in that scene in particular, yeah. you heard the struggling. Like, you heard the fight going on. Yeah. He could have gotten up there and done something. Oh, of course. But he was just that afraid of dying that he just, he froze. He literally froze.
0: And I think it's that kind of scene at the end or towards the end when he's standing and he's got those six or seven German guys in a line and he sees the one that let him live. Yeah. The where one he, that he shoots helped. him and he's like, this is kind of my, I have to do this. Yeah. If he didn't have that moment, that would be very hard to live with. Yeah. But it, yeah, that that scene, you can understand why Saving Private Ryan is kind of considered one of the, the best. pinnacle of war films. One one of the best. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think you know movies again like Hacksaw Ridge, and I can't wait for you to watch that because that will that's fucked up. That shit that that guy did, and I don't want to give too much away because if you haven't seen it, I'd ruin it with spoilers, and I don't want to. You can. It's been out for about fucking long now. But for you in particular, because trust me, it's just one of those watches that you sit there absolutely fucking gobsmacked that someone was able to do what that man did. Right. It's just, it's next level. It's next level cinema. Right, yeah. All right. So thinking about the iconic roles of what Gladiator and Braveheart, so Mal Gibson, Russell Crowe, could you have imagined anyone else having played those parts?
1: Oh, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. I can't. Because Mel Gibson does so well in those kinds of roles. So I can't think of anyone else who would have. Who I would have picked to play William Miles other than him. Mm hmm. And r- same with Russell Crowe. Like, it's part of. I guess it's almost as in. It's in their. It's in their niche. It's in their DNA, man, to play roles like that shit. Yeah. Like, you think of. Like, let's say Mel Gibson, for example, not only just Braveheart, but let's say maybe he's like a patriot. Mm hmm. Right? Again. Oh, no, no one could have done that. No.
0: No one. I don't give a fuck. Who you think. You can throw out ideas if anyone's listening, and tell me who could actually have played Braveheart, Gladiator, or the Patriot, other than Russell Crowe and Mel no Gibson. A... If you were to make or direct
1: a war film, what war would you choose and why? Oh, um, probably lean more towards let's say probably World War II, just yeah. I think it's to me it's probably the more most one I find interesting. Yeah, interesting and it's in got, what sense? Just in general, everything mm-hmm. about it. Like the way it went down different what battles. angle would it took you place. take? Like what would you want to explore? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't know enough about that's the thing, it's probably because I don't know enough about World War Two. It's yeah. why I would want to do World War Two. So I could learn more about it. That's probably why that's probably where I would go. I
0: think one of the angles I'd love to take in terms of World War Two, I don't know if anyone's heard of the Tuskegee Airmen. so basically it was the first ever black squadron right and the shit that they had to go through in order to become an actual squadron it's the story i've seen like kind of shitty second rate films and i think they did one that was kind of a mainstream cinema production and it was just unbelievable the story of what these men had to go through in order to become part of the army and then obviously part of the actual squadron itself and I, i was sitting there and i was like fuck man if they got like kind of a Denzel Lawrence Fishburne all these kinds of big names to do a movie like that mm. it would be massive
1: yeah. massive huge epic it, yeah uh, going along that whole sort of i guess the that diversity style of war movie yeah um It sort of brings up the whole thing about, I guess, women's role in war. So, like, you're going to know more about this than I, but G.I. Jane, for example.
0: Fuck yes. And, you know, obviously, it's infamous in terms of the Navy SEALs, like how hard it actually is to become one. But watching that storyline, I don't know what kind of accuracy is involved in terms of what they do in terms of preparation or training for it. But if anything that they showed is an indication of what those people have to go through, I, in a million years, could never do that. Because mentally, it just it looks like it breaks people. Yeah. And you would have to be tough as nails, not just in a physical sense, but mental sense, to be able to handle and prepare for something like that. It's just... Unbelievable. And fucking Demi Moore. Like, I would never peg her to play a part like that. Yeah. But God, is she good in it. And I don't know. Weirdly, she's hot as fuck with a bald head. (laughs) What? A jizz on
1: her head, man. Honestly. yeah. She's hot as ass in that film. So, but what I want to know, like, I guess where I'm sort of more going with, like, as far as being a female in a male-dominated army. Yep. Like, Again, I haven't seen it, so what did you pick from the kind of trials and tribulations she had to go through in that movie to be kind of seen as an equal?
0: Well, initially, it's portrayed in a way where basically she is kind of a project for this senator to see how integration would work in terms of bringing women into the Navy SEAL program. And because for so long the Navy SEAL program was predominantly men, this was kind of just an idea That was never supposed to take off, but it was supposed to promote the idea of diversity. However, once she gets in, she starts progressing through the stages and then she basically from the start is like, this is fucked. Like the shit that I have to deal with and the training, they make it twice as hard on her, obviously because she is a woman. But once she kind of progresses to the point where she earns the respect of her teammates, it just gives this different vibe. Like, she sees it from, she comes from like a naval intelligence background. So she's not stupid to begin with. Yeah. But bringing this kind of intelligence aspect in preparation and planning for missions and stuff, she's got more than the beef and the brawn that a lot of the guys do. So that's what kind of sets her ahead in terms of being able to stay up to scratch in terms of where the training and preparation's going. So watching that kind of shit, it's, You're rooting for it. You can't help but root for it because it's like, you know, they have that whole balance of, you know, equality in terms of male and female. And I don't know what the statistics are like now in terms of how many women are actually part of the Navy SEAL program or whether there actually is any. I'm not sure. But it's interesting to see that obviously, you know, males will contribute a significant amount in terms of brawn, no doubt. Yeah. But... I feel like with that female contribution, they may be able to look at it in terms of missions, maybe in a different line. They may have angles that men potentially may not see. I don't know. It, it's just, you know, the idea of diversity, you can you need to have a diverse bunch because if you have the same people working towards a common goal, not everyone's not going to have the same ideas. You want a diverse amount of ideas just in case shit hits the fan at least you've got different ideas to kind of work with. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's just an interesting take. Like, she is so good at that role. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've got a renewed respect for Demi Moore after doing that. Right. And thinking about, like, imagine the movie where we watch Hacksaw. Hacksaw.
1: Fucking Ridge. No. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah.
0: That was intense. Yeah, definitely. That's next level intense. And at
1: least that was a bit more of a modern story. Yeah, As far as modern warfare is concerned.
0: Correct. And it's like, as
1: someone doing
0: that job, again, how do you fucking mentally prepare that you... Okay, well, I'm going to go disarm this bomb, but the potential of it going off, you just don't know. You don't know who else is watching. You don't know if anyone's got a remote detonator. Uh. It's fucked. So, thinking about kind of that, how does someone... Who is basically doing a job like that? Get back to a sense of normality after a role like that.
1: Oh, I don't think they can really get back to any sort of sense of normality. Like, I think the part that sort of really sort of put it into perspective is when he finds in that hideout the the kid's body. Oh yeah, body bomb. Yeah, the one where they're making the body bomb out of a kid's body. Yeah, and for him, that's a bit of a breaking point as far as just how (sighs) fucked. Like, it's I guess the the fucked up side of war is finally caught up with him. Yeah. Like he'd been sort of, you know, just blasé. Blasé. Cool basically, this. it is what it is. Yeah, this is war. I Mean anything goes. Really, that sort of thing. And then seeing something like that, it just finally broke him. Like this is fucked beyond all recognition. Did you find? Fuba.
0: Did you find yourself having? Uh, it, it's fucked up to say, but did you find yourself having a hatred
1: towards the enemy in that? Oh, definitely. I think these war movies do it very well. Like any of them in general, they always make you hate the enemy. Yeah. You don't really feel any sympathy for the enemy side. Even
0: like. Like the-
1: even in, like, Saving Private Ryan, when they get that last German soldier. Yeah. And they let him escape. I don't know about you, but I was still thinking, just fucking shoot the cunt. Just fucking shoot him. Yeah. Like, I didn't want him to go free. Because you know that could potentially come back to bite him in the well, ass. No, just because that was the enemy. To me, that was
0: the enemy. He fucking... He killed one of your troops. Kill him. But then I suppose it plays into the whole idea of rules of engagement and taking yeah. prisoners of war. So yeah. it's like, how do you create and understand the divide between, well, we need to take this prisoner of war, but then because he surrendered, but if we let him go, will he have the potential to go and do something that kind of will fuck us in the long run? Yeah. Like the butterfly effect yeah. idea. And in which
1: case... It It did. It, it, it did. It really did fuck him in the in the long run, massively, yeah. massively.
0: So, yeah,
1: that's that's an interesting discussion. You know,
0: obviously, war is not something that can be taken quite lightly. It has, especially in terms of cinema, has a really kind of detrimental impact on term in terms of how people's perceptions are in relation to war. Like, you know, obviously, it evokes a lot of feelings, and I know I can speak for both me and Tony that we. Firmly established the idea that war is fucked. Yeah. There's not much more that can come out of these kind of uh, movies. Uh, The themes are very kind of hard to grapple with because it's like, how does someone deal with that? Like, how do you move on from dealing with war? Yeah. There are no, you can't contribute anything more than what they already know about it.
1: Yeah. So. war, I I just think war in the future should just be whoever higher up has the problems between each other. Have a fight. Put them in the octagon. Like yeah. basically have Fuck an MMA yeah. style. Yeah. Two of those, two people that have the problem in the ring, whoever wins the fight wins the discussion. That's it. That's it. No That's war. It. Done. That's how it is. Yeah. It removes removes
0: the, the possibility of big business and, you know, the fucking war machine places from making money
1: that too but can you imagine just the amount of jacked up leaders that would be coming if that Holy was the case fuck. every fucking like country's leader would be so jacked up they'd be like the best fighters in the world 100% it would be like the movie the quest <laughs>
0: <laughs> god Ugh. or it would be like troy where they select their hero yeah their heroes to fight Yeah. Mm. God, that would make for a
1: fucking interesting situation in the world, I'll tell you what. Yeah. And that would uh, sort of get us closer to basically what happened in idiocracy, where the US president's an expert wrestler. (laughs) Literally. Literally. Well, look, you know, they're heading in that direction with that country. So, you know, the fact that
0: Kanye was taken as a serious Uh, candidate, it just begs a lot of questions about the reality. Let's just... Let's Let's move on. on. Yeah. But... Yeah, so that's essentially, we kind of wanted to just address how our perceptions of cinema in terms of war and what we've seen, and kind of the deciding factor in all of that is war is fucked. Yeah. Simple. Pretty much. FUBAR. FUBAR. If you don't know what FUBAR is, have a look at the acronym. Let
1: us know what you know once you find out. Or if you've been paying attention, I did say it in full. Not too long ago, so... That's true. If you're paying attention, I did say it. But, yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. Yeah, I think so. I think what more can be said. Yeah. Well, do you want to just uh, get through the usual? Yeah, I'll just plug it again, guys. If you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe us on Anchor, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podcast Podcastatic, Google Podcasts, or whatever other platform stream you use. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a One, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. And I do want to bring up a point that I didn't get a chance to uh finished it off earlier with um, with a couple of shout-outs to certain, um, to certain people that have been really interactive on the pod. Um, so I just want to give a couple of shout-outs to uh, Jabba. He's been pretty interactive with us on the Facebook page. Uh, same with, now it was Samantha that has been interactive with us yeah. as well. Uh, she's been really cool. Um, yeah, and uh, Richie, for throwing in the occasional random funny comment. Uh, 100%. <laughs> Fucking Richie, killing us but at least he's making us giggle so that's awesome dude um, but yeah look guys like, please feel free to, to comment on our posts and have some discussions with us we're not going to sort of throw any people's opinions away um, we're open to everything and we're always up for a good chat so keep it coming that's it well until next time fucking up, up.